bought a mic. We oh, bought singing. a mic. Bought a wow. mic. We bought a mic. We bought a mic. Bought it. Mm-hmm. Mic. Bought it a mic, 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 and I can't find the reasons I should mic. One by one, they all just bought a mic. Bought mic. That was the best yet. Why? Why doesn't every podcast sing an introduction over Zoom? That sounded so good, Mm -hmm. guys. Incredible. I'm not gonna say that it's your fault but it took me a long time to realize what you were doing <laughs> every single time i come onto this show i'm like they're not going to do it again and then it's better than the no, last time no it's not it's it always <laughs> <laughs> i support this ongoing train wreck you can't stop now <laughs> uh we'd like to thank the 88s for that you guys can exit the zoom call now we won't need you anymore they're gonna be crushed go that we're not your... gonna use them again because they have nothing going on i assure you oh, you no. can go back to your community reunion zoom go back to your <laughs> donald glovers and your heart it was great watching his face when here. that guy was singing the theme song donald glover's face yeah. is like oh great the 88s <laughs> glad to be here <laughs> welcome everybody to a very special episode of we bought a mic we're here to bring you a new segment that we're calling tv pantheon where we will induct a show that has finished its run into the We Bought a Mike pantheon because we love it very much. And we thought, why not start with Community, a show that is very dear to us and has found a little bit of a resurgence since it uh, wrapped up about five-ish, four-ish years ago. Um, and people are talking about it again. It's on Netflix. There's a reunion that you can watch on YouTube right now. And the, the, the conversation is happening. And all of us here, we've been watching it a lot. And we thought, why the hell not do a whole episode on it and appreciate this amazing show? And why not do it with a special guest? Welcome, Hello. Harry Sayer, back to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, very nice to be back. And it's, uh, you know, we've had episodes where I talked about Solo, which is very boring, but we're talking about one of my favorite shows ever made. So I could not be more excited. I, I know you can tell from my voice, but I Solo, the, the Ron Howard picture? Yes, that classic Ron Howard Star Wars film that we oh. all remember and love. Yeah. yeah. I think if you went to your bank account, you wouldn't even see that you spent money on the movie. Like even Wells Fargo or your bank forgot that you actually interacted. Yeah, they oh, just, well, they refunded it. Like, Say sorry. that to Drew. Drew is recording this. I can't see a giant solo poster behind him. That's just right. it's solo, but he digitally took off the shirt from um knockoff <laughs> Ansel Elgord uh behind him. Knockoff Ansel Erg. Are you hating on my guy Alden Ike Art? So he's a knockoff Ar- Ansel right? Elgord just in like name alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, he kind of looks no, like does. him to me. Both of them, no, are, both of them on, have on the Solo. most forgettable faces that I've ever seen in my life, and they're not very good. Sure, but um, Ansel so. Elgort looks like he evolved from a gecko. Like that's a totally different he animal. Sucks. Than us. He sucks hard. <laughs> Is I Alden Aaron? Are you here to defend? Alden no, I haven't Aaron seen right the uh, dumb fucking Star Wars movie he was in. Uh, didn't she just not join the show that week because he didn't want to yeah, watch it? Yeah, and I will con- continue <laughs> that tradition as long as they keep making these. Uh, that said, 
Ansel Elgort uh, is, we need an opposite of like the Pantheon for Ansel Elgort. We need to introduce <laughs> I, entire episodes about people that we hate. I don't know, man. That, that requires remembering his face for more than three seconds. And I don't think I can do that. I don't Luckily, know. Luckily, we, we went to high school with a guy that looks exactly yeah, like yeah. him. So it's, it's just like, I just picture that guy that we went to high school with and it's pretty, pretty simple. But uh, we should introduce ourselves. I'm Ernest. I am. Wait for it. Wait oh, for it. I'm Drew. Hunter. <laughs> I'm Hunter. <laughs> All and right. add dramatic tension to this to this podcast. Okay? Speaking of Ron Howard solo, which stars Donald Glover as, um. Lando. Fuck Billy D. Williams. Lando? What's his fucking name? Lando. Lando Come on, Paul guys. Thank you. I'm fucking <laughs> kidding me. Uh, yes, we're here to talk about community. And, you know, this is just one episode of a podcast, and it's going to be pretty impossible to fit in all of the great pop culture references and meta jokes and, uh, you know, guest stars and all the great things that make this show phenomenal into a single episode. But we are going to fucking try our darndest, damn it. Damn right. Um, we have a bunch of categories that we're going to be kind of um, structuring the conversation around, including best character, best episode, um, best paintball episode. Um, so we'll get to all of those in a bit. But first, I want to know from each of you how did you first find out about community do you remember like when uh you were introduced to the show what did you think of it at first what made you like gravitate i i remember it? clear as day um same. yeah because i wonder if we might have the same story harry based on what you were saying pre-pod i was a giant fan of the soup yeah yep. i knew it. i fucking knew it harry i <laughs> I, knew I knew you were cool <laughs> Thank no, you, I was a yep, huge fan. Yep. Of the, oh, is that you're cool when you're into the yes. soup? This is new. Yeah. No, if you're like 12 and you're super into the soup, because I also watched a ton of bad reality TV with my sister because that was all mm -hmm. she would watch. So then we would also watch the soup together as like a way to bond over the fact that we both could acknowledge explicitly or implicitly that it was bad. Um, and it also, guess what? The, the soup, it, it was like a one of those like spawn writer's room. It's like you get it when you're young, like Jonah Ray worked in it, uh, you know, went on to be the, you know, host of Mystery Science because it's a very similar skill set. It's all about just riffing on bad things. Uh, so yeah, I was a giant fan of the soup. I liked Joel uh reasonably <laughs> and he started plugging it just straight up on the soup. Uh, because I don't think anyone on E is really monitoring that show. Uh, and and so I set up a DVR recording for Community. And the, from the pilot, I was absolutely mind boggled. It changed my entire perception of what television could be uh, in a lot of different ways. And it meant, out of any show in high school, it probably meant to mo the most to me of any TV show. Truly was very important to me back then. Harry. Yeah, so similar to Drew, uh, I like the soup with Joe McHale, and uh, you know he was you know kind of got that smarmy sarcasm thing that you know is fun when you're in middle school. Uh, yeah, and then he started plugging Community. So I watched the pilot, um, and I watched the first few episodes, but I actually did not 
follow through. Uh, my story with community is a lot more uh, erratic. So basically, you know, I was watched the first few episodes and I moved along with my life. And then uh, around, you know, then as through osmosis, I realized that the show is getting a serious following and it was very popular, but it never really was something I had time for uh, until I think my last year of college, actually, I was dating someone who turned me on to the show and we started halfway through season two, which spoilers is the best time to get started with that show. And it, uh, it really just kind of blew my mind and just how, clever and but also warm that it was at the same time which is um something i really admire in this show compared to dan Harmon's other works now i watched seasons two three uh skipped four uh watched half of season five and just stopped um i was going through a lot at the time i don't know why so uh, only now in the last about week or two have i watched start to finish um, you know, I've always considered it just by the nature of how I watched it. It's a very uh, scattered kind of a fragmented show uh, through its history. It is, yeah, it is regardless of how you watched it. It's extremely all over it the is. place. It is. Yeah, I don't, you know, uh, which is part of the fun for me. And it's kind of why I like that we're picking this first to be in our kind of TV pantheon because it wasn't a kind of a, you know, rock solid, you know, fully planned out show from day one, you know, those kind of things that everyone's trying to do on Netflix now for the last five years. It's something that really doesn't make any sense. It's one of the weirdest shows behind the scenes ever made. It's yeah. just this incredibly interesting, like miracle of a story. And I like, I like that that's what we're leading off with. Yeah. All right, Hunter, go ahead. What, what do you love about community? So, I mean, I, I will admit, I was later to the community party than most. I, um, I remember when it was on because there was that legendary run on NBC when there was 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, The Office, and Community all happening at the same time. I believe, was that on the same night? Yeah. That those all yeah, came out? Thursdays. Thursday nights yeah, on NBC. Just Thursdays. Like an unprecedented run on network television that I don't think will ever be matched. Um, so I remember it being on there and I caught some episodes here and there. But the thing is with community, because you were watching, you were just you left yeah, the TV on. I would be like on. watching The Office or Parks and whatever. I don't remember the ordering of them, but I would watch one and it would just go into the next one. Every time I watched it, I liked it. But Community is a weird show to watch just a random episode out of. It reminds me of like, so we're big fans of The Good Place, but I can't imagine just catching, like just like randomly seeing season two, episode six of The Good Place on NBC. Like that would just be so, you're like, what's happening? Who is dating who now? And where is the chemistry? Like I can't follow what's happening here. So I did, I always really enjoyed the show, but it wasn't actually until we were all in college together and I was roommates with the Wabami boys that we did a watch through because at that time it was just on Hulu. Um, and I mean, it immediately became one of my favorite shows ever. And I think that the highs of this show are the best of any comedy ever made. Um, I really do think that this show aside from one season in particular and we will get to that season um whenever we talk about the worst season of the season of the series but i think that this show is just con more consistently great especially whenever it had 22 episodes per season than any other comedy in network history i mean it just works on another level and seeing 
these cast of characters. It's so funny that Joe McHale was the biggest star on the show when it started, aside from Chevy Chase, of course. And just watching all the more marginal characters grow and come to like dominate our lives now, uh, 10 years after its beginning run on the show. So I, I really, I absolutely love this show. Yeah, I, I can't pinpoint the first time I heard about the show because uh, I didn't watch The Soup and I don't remember keeping up with Thursday nights on, on NBC. But I think if if I remember correctly, I remember uh, going on Hulu.com when it first came out. And I was I remember thinking, like, this is so crazy because it was before Netflix launched their streaming service. It's back when everybody was still doing DVDs by mail. And I heard about this thing, Hulu. And at this point, you know, early high school, I was getting into that mode of keeping up with, uh, you know, entertainment journalism online and, and blogs, TV and movie blogs and and columns and things like that. And I, I feel like I probably caught wind of, hey, this is something you should pay attention to um, and just but never actually like started watching. Um, and the show ran for, I think, two seasons before I actually jumped into it. So it was around season it was season three. And I remember very clearly the first episode I saw was remedial chaos theory which is herald as many by like as like the best episode of the show and and i think it's because of of like reading these trades and things that um people were saying like hey this is the show you need to be paying attention to this is the episode and and i don't quite remember if i if i if i kind of landed on that episode by accident or if i if i was seeking it out but i remember watching it on hulu um, because Hulu had a deal with NBC where their stuff would go on the service the the day after airing, much like it does today. But back then it was like, holy shit, this is this is great. I don't have to tune in uh, the night of. I can just watch it kind of whenever. And I watched a lot of Parks and Rec and The Office that way uh, as well, just through Hulu. Um, and immediately I said, okay, I need to go back to the beginning and just watch this from the start in order. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And, and we're, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but just from the jump, like, I just want to say that one of the things that makes the show so amazing and so genius is that it can, it operates in this format where it kind of lives as this very formulaic type of show that we've seen a million times, the sitcom thing. And it does that very, very well, but then it is able to expand on top of that and, and, and all over that fourth dimensional, 11 dimensional ways that are so genius in so many ways. And just at the baseline, the conceit of the uh, community college is not meant to be realistic. So you're not already from the jump, you're not working with a show that is meant to show you a real community college. You know, you've got, it's not only is this like a meta machine, but it's playing on like lots of high school movie tropes. Uh, You've got the lockers and the bell and the cafeteria. And then this like, 
you all mentioned this overarching meta narrative that the show develops inside of itself, hearkening to its own production. And as the show starts to struggle to gain ratings and struggle to um, have uh, to maintain a, a budget, it incorporates that into the story of the show itself. And that from the beginning just captivated me so much. I'd never really seen a show do that the way the community did it. Yeah, and they kind of had to do that because even I didn't have the vocabulary for this, like, you know, back when I was 14 and this show debuted, but I was thinking, does this idea really have legs? (laughs) Because it's about a community college study group. How long are they going to attend the school? How often do study groups stay together for more than one semester? Like, it's not a concept that, like, is a given green light, you know? Well, and more than that, how long can you really spend at a community college? Yeah, that's like what I'm saying. So the like, way that yeah. they the way they circumvented uh, any notion of having legs is by ab- destructing the very basis of their show almost every episode and then building it back up as the episode goes on. And, and it's I- so satisfying. Every time they do it, it's like they find a way to completely eradicate any sense of realism and still bring it back home. And it's that circular storytelling that Dan Harmon is known for to always bring things back to what you're comfortable with. And and, and that's what television is. What's incredible too is beyond all of the uh, kind of the meta pyrotechnics and all of the interesting story structures that they do episode to episode is just that the, the emotional connection and the emotional intelligence of this show is never sacrificed, uh, yes. which I think is really something about, it's not a, I want to call it a dark show. Uh, it's definitely not a lighthearted show, but it's kind of just honest about people and flaws. And they're using these interesting, twisting kind of meta storytelling tools to dig deeper into just why people are the way they are. And that's just what always gets me thinking about it at the end of the day is just how honest of a show it is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was just about to say was that despite it being it. Dan Harmon's obsession with playing with tropes and playing with stereotypes, the emotional resonance of the show still hits. Like we'll get to it when we get to best episodes, but in order, I was already doing a watch through and I just kind of binged through the last season and a half uh, earlier today. And whenever it gets to something like Troy's goodbye, I was crying. Like, honestly, it made me tear up watching the episode, episode just because you still spend time with these characters and you do, form these attachments and what you want in your mind to happen and this future that you build up for them. And oftentimes Dan plays with that for comedy, but he does know how to play with that in an effective emotional way as well. So I I should just say, try to, I don't know about all of you, but I'm probably the least fond of Dan Harmon. Uh, I think this show is where he's at his best. Other times I think he's got his head, uh, 10 stories up his ass. Uh, Not that he's not incredibly talented, but he is. But I just think this is a great example of how uh, with some restraints, his work and content is a lot better than when he's just allowed to run a wild. And I I shouldn't subtweet it. It, I'm just talking about Rick and Morty here. Uh, But basically, you know, I think this is a far preferable to that show. I think the the newest season of Rick and Morty is actually really, really excellent. Cool. I, I think the the newest couple episodes are some of the best they've ever had. But that that's not really because of Harmon. That's more because he has 
a team of writers, you know, and it's the same thing with community. It's not, the show's not great because he's a genius. It's great because he has a really talented team of collaborators or around him. Yeah. He's extremely quick to lend a lot of credit for community to Chris McKenna, who was like kind of, you know, his like the shadow show runner who taught him the ropes of running a network TV show. Uh, but yeah, speaking toward your point, Harry, uh, you can feel even, I think there's a lot of growth that happens uh, before the show like really, really takes off. And all of that growth is in Dan Harmon learning to trust actors to be funny instead of overwriting their jokes. And like, you know, it, it feels like his scripts uh, slowly develop less and less parentheticals as the show goes on almost. Like he, he slowly realized, okay, Danny Pudi is, you know, an unbelievable talent and we cast him because I, we can trust him to do this role. I don't need to micromanage every I mean, reaction it, shot. I can let he them got, cook He was bit. kicked off his own show. You know, that's <laughs> that's what happened here is he was so difficult to work with that they just straight up fired him and they ended up having to bring him back, you know, and that was a whole nother thing. But I think he ended up kind of bringing the parentheticals back a little bit in the final season. So, yeah, that that's, you know, I've now this past week watched seasons five and six kind of start to finish much more than I did back in college. And they are much more interesting than I remember because it's it's as is as it does being meta. It really is a show about um, being past your prime and not delivering as much as you used to and how to to live with that. And it also feels a little uh, I don't want to say meaner, but a little bit kind of starker, a little bit kind of more uh, intellectual than emotional. Those last two seasons, uh, just that not that that's not there, but its focus has shifted. Um, yeah, so this is a this is a weird show where you've got. I can't remember if it's Dan who said it specifically about himself or if somebody said it about him, but basically saying Dan is Abed, but he wishes that he was Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> and as that goes on, I mean, as the series goes on, especially. It, Jeff kind of becomes even more of the Dan character whenever he's like facing his own mortality and like dealing with his age and realizing like, oh no, I'm not this hot shot that I once was. And now I kind of just have to grapple with that whole idea. That yeah. whole idea is I think the most successful part of those two seasons. And we can get into that more, but just, uh, yeah, just it really comes much more put on Jill McHale's shoulders as that foundation that you were talking about, Ernest, slowly starts to kind of crumble as more actors leave yeah. and they're just kind of trying to do more with less. It's a, it's a weird two seasons. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I think the Yahoo season is almost feels like a different show to me. And I don't think it all fully works, but there's some really interesting shit in there. It yeah. gets super meta, super self-reflexive. The Honda shit I think is kind of rough. Um, but the, I've the, enjoyed the Honda stuff. <laughs> I did not hate. I'll the say Honda. it. I'll say it right now. The the ending. I love the Honda stuff. I love Subway. Needless to say, <laughs> yeah. But Subway is introduced like way before then. Um, but the yeah, of ending course. of the show, I think, is fantastic. Like I this agree. is when we're talking about nailing it in the ending, and all of the shows that have come to end. You know, you got your Game of Thrones, your Breaking Bad's, whatever mileage varies greatly on nailing the ending and i think community 
firmly stands in the nailing it camp because I, that final episode, the final season, you know, there's some there's some good stuff and some some not so great stuff. But I think the how the show ends is telegraphed throughout that entire final season. There's so many little moments. There's the moment when you have the guy who ordered the giant hand dealing with his <laughs> giant watch and his so his kid so who good. got carried away in the giant kite. Um, One of my favorite I, endings of the, of the episode, like, ever. But, okay, but to your point of what you were saying before, I may cut you off, Harry, but just real quick, I think that what we were talking about earlier about this was Dan didn't know what he was doing whenever he started this thing. I think that around like whenever he came back for season five he had an idea in his mind and that's why i think that he was willing to make another season even if it was for yahoo and he probably knew absolutely no one would watch it <laughs> yeah is because he had an idea in his mind he's like all right i'm gonna come back i'm gonna make two more seasons and i'm going to make this arc work right here with the characters that i have i i had never seen the finale until just recently and i did not realize how much it kind of weaponizes that feeling of sadness of something sort of just dissolving and kind of just being past its prime because i always felt that when i'm like oh my god they're going to yahoo tv like can we just put it out back behind the barn and shoot it already but like the fact that they actually are, seem aware of it are kind of incorporating that melancholy into the finale is yes i i had i really feel dumb for not seeing it before i think it's a, a fucking amazing ending it's it's really, really excellent. And Community is one, like kind of the rare show that I uh, like was actively, you know, rooting to get mm -hmm. like rebooted regardless of the setting or like if there were budgetary changes or cast losses because it is not a replaceable experience. Exactly. Uh, regardless of if it's always acting, you know, at its highest level, a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine to me didn't need to get brought back because it's it's like replacement level, like good comedy that you can find on 10 other shows. Not that that's a bad thing. It's a good TV show, but there's yeah. no analog to community. There's there's no, you know, oh, people who watch this also watch this. That list is full of things that are not quite I community. Uh, and by, by 2014, it had sort of uh, spawned imitators, but the, they were just that they were imitators and so i wasn't going to get picky when season six was announced i wasn't going to be like yeah but what if it's not as good it i remember it feeling like a, a massive triumph because it, it yeah. seemed that when mbc finally pulled the plug because at the end of every season they were just like oh uh, we don't know about this one and you know they would shorten it like four and five were, were i think only 13 episodes or so um and then when they didn't bring it back for six, it was like, oh shit, this is it. They didn't, they didn't get to, to the six seasons. And then Yahoo brings it back. And I remember it feeling like, holy shit, this is a big deal. And it's not like, you know, those were simpler times. It's not like the Snyder cut bullying fucking <laughs> Warner Brothers into releasing a movie that doesn't exist. It's like there, there was a genuine like love for this show that people were that wasn't being reflected in the Nielsen ratings that NBC was basing their decision making on. I hadn't even been watching the show, but I was so invested in seeing that thing come back for each season because just the passion there. And you're right that like it was before the internet got so so vicious as it is now. It's just, it was much more of like a fan passion thing. Is this the best story of the internet? Uh, the community is kind of like never back down. Come back it's each one, time. It's up there. 
Hell yeah. I mean, best, right? <laughs> it's weird. It's I mean, because the only show that kind of had a similar type of revival is weirdly Arrested Development. Arrested Development was also a big time network show on Fox that got canceled. It made its come back on Netflix, so it was more easily watched. But I I mean, that show has a variety of other different problems. But like they it is kind of weird that those two are both both of them have like hugely loyalistic fans that are willing to do whatever it takes for more content. I mean, I think community execute it better yes. than Arrested Development, yes. hands down. Because I think that, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I really like season six. I never finished season six, mostly because I was just like, Oh yeah, I have to like log on to Yahoo TV <laughs> I and did watch it. this. What? <laughs> like I just I, waited around for it to eventually come onto something else I, I could just watch it all. I don't want to keep us from the categories too much, but I found season five just to be kind of lesser inherently. I know that y'all are basically being you know, like, we want the show no matter what. But what exactly. I found what I what I found interesting on rewatch is, you know, the reason what you were talking about earlier, Ernie, was like the show has such a solid foundation, and I think of it because of the the six main characters. You know, you could really just delve into all these different genres and tropes and uh, deconstructions whenever you wanted to, because you had these six amazing actors. But you know, of course, uh, Chevy Chase leaves and Donald Glover leaves, and I guess that season five, I was just inherently the ground was shakier. I wasn't as in tune with what the show was doing because you have new characters coming in like Jonathan Banks, but it seemed like Dan Harmon or the show or whoever was more interested in continuing those, those theme ex episodes and those explorations. And it, it kind of lets like this, this disconnect that made the, the latter season seem kind of uh, more shapeless. It's, it's a much that's it's a, a, good it's a harder thing for me to latch on to. And it kind of got to the point where I'm watching Jonathan Banks and I'm like, what, like literally, it's no offense to the guy. He's amazing. But like, why are you here? Like, what did we could just not have you and have a smaller group rather than feel the need to have this. Yeah. They have to have, fill in the gap. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we talked about it in the group chat, but like, honestly, I, I guess I'm just complaining about Jonathan Banks, but like, I feel like they should have had Keith David come in season five and have two seasons where you got to attach. Great. Yeah. And you have I a character you attach yourself more to. Um, but this is, honestly, these are complaints, but it kind of makes the seasons more interesting to talk about. So I don't want to come off. Like I I'm mean, what you're, what you're getting at is that this is a flawed show. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of what makes it so beautiful 100%. is that it is so it is full of missteps all over the place. It, it didn't start perfect. It didn't end perfect. And there were lots of misfires along the way. It wasn't uh, it wasn't perfect and it wasn't perfect to, to the people making it either. And all of that is is on the screen when you watch it. It's it's full of blemishes, it, and yeah. that's what's so endearing about it to me. It's such a rough. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah sorry, Jericho. Uh, it also just it even though it was it's silly to say because it was this was a network sitcom on the same night as all those legendary shows, but it's for the entire run it felt like a secret that I had. Yeah, especially when I was in high school watching this the first like three or so seasons it felt like genuinely I knew about something that no one else knew about and I felt cool because of it. And uh, it had like the, regardless of like the quality of execution, which did it, you know, it, it varied wildly, even in its best seasons, there are episodes that do not hit for me. Um, but it has the Simpsons X factor of this is a show 
where the people who made it you know are like you yeah and that like they fucking geek out oh. about movies and tv and i had never i didn't watch old simpsons when i was a kid because it wasn't on new simpsons was on and it wasn't good <laughs> uh so this was my first exposure to that uh postmodern uh that that vibe of hey I, i'm like you and it's not in a fake way like i actually just you know, it, it, it just felt and it's special. not and it's not just packing the episodes with references to be like, oh, haha, we are young like you. Uh, never. It's like I mean, full yeah. of love and it's but also just so packed. Like some episodes are just like you couldn't even pick out all the fucking references. So that's what I was going to bring up is that I think that Dan Harmon writes a C storyline better than anybody else. Where I mean, every classic sitcom has an a a storyline and a b storyline but like for example i was watching season six today and episode four queer studies advanced whacking waxing we have the dean being gay we have chang auditioning for the karate kid and then also we have (laughs) abed and uh keith david trying to save the wi-fi connection like all three of those that would just be a convoluted mess for most writers to try and write that much story, it would just feel messy. You'd be chopping around too much, trying to get enough out of each storyline that they're all satisfying. But I think that that's one thing that Dan Harmon excels at throughout this entire show is being able to balance the story arcs together. And that's that's a key piece that's missing from season four that we'll get to. That is one of my biggest problems is that they don't know what the A storyline, the B storyline are from any given episode. And and sometimes like the little C story is like way more interesting than the A or B. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I just want to see that. I don't care about all this that you're doing. I I just watched season four for this podcast and uh, I love you guys. This is proof (laughs) because that was a lot. (laughs) Uh, Just to Hunter's point about that episode, Gay Dean, Gay Dean, Gay Dean, Gay Dean. I want to, I want to get into the yeah. categories right. and talk. About yeah, yeah. Let's get into here. it. So usually, you know, if you've listened to the show, we like to do top tens, best ofs, top fives, things like that. Um, really crazy we, ideas that you won't we hear anywhere else. Thought that for this episode, it would be, um, maybe a little bit of a disservice just to do top five episodes of community so we built these categories to try to make the the discussion a little bit a little bit more interesting and and loose and um and we are still if we have time at the end going to do a little bit of a hall of fame of the 10 best episodes so we're going to start out with our one favorite episode each of the whole show so again there's no winners and losers here we just each pick a favorite episode and if there's consensus there's consensus and if there's not that's okay we're just talking about the the show and why we love it so harry all right what is your favorite episode so uh my favorite episode and it's not really close it's the first episode i saw that made me realize that this show was special it just like took root in my brain and i i maintain i think it's one of the funniest episodes uh in television and it's the uh paradigms of human memory the season two uh, flashback episode. Um, yeah. I'm just saying, I, I know that we're going to get into like the emotional truths and the incredible, you know, nuances of the show. But for me, beat for beat, this is one of the funniest episodes I've ever seen. There are 
so many great lines uh, from one of my favorite lines of all time is Pierce sitting on the uh, library thing saying he's going to be a living god while pumping himself full of flu shots. <laughs> and then uh, just like Jeff, uh, Jeff talking about the cape, just saying the cape might have a second life on cable. And I'll tell you what, like I could uh, quote that episode front uh, to back. And, and also, this is this is top it's, five. For yeah, me, absolutely. it's and an also, easily a pantheon episode for me as well. It's, just the idea of a fake clip show is the most <laughs> genius thing that I've never seen anything like that before. I'm the person who just watched clip show episodes of TV. And I was like, oh, well, this is cheap. You're just reusing footage from other episodes. It's a locomotive that runs on us, but but beyond just the <laughs> beyond just the jokes, it is it is also very cool that they just totally swerve with like the will they won't they angle that was so prevalent in season one. They're they're just like, oh, by the way, this has been happening. We're gonna talk about it briefly, and that's it. And that might have been the last time like a major romance is part of the show ever after like Jeff and Brittany. Until Brett season around. four. I don't, yeah. that doesn't count, but like, <laughs> but no, but yeah. Um, and then just the, uh, the, uh, the YouTube, um, gravity thing they have where it's like Jeff and, uh, <laughs> Jeff and Annie and then Abed and, and Troy, uh, Abed and, um, Pierce. And just like, that was one. it's still, I could watch the episode a hundred times and I probably will because it is so fucking funny. I, I love that show. Oh, what a great, what a great pick. See, now Very I have good. a feeling that we're all going to have wildly different picks because that's the thing about this show is like we, you can, you can gravitate to a completely different aspect of what you love about it and latch on to like one episode that really amplifies that. I have other episodes that mean a lot to me, but that was the one that just makes me cry laughing. Just Chevy Chase's face in the flashback when he's being held up by the Mexican cartel and they have a gun to the back of his head. It's just, just, I swear to God. All right, that's me. Season two, episode 21. That's right. Paradigms of Human Memory is Harry's favorite episode. Drew, your favorite episode of Community. There are probably 15 that I think are (laughs) tier like t like s tier the best comedy episodes of television i've ever seen uh and remain that to this day i went with one that uh it's it's just a a personal pick because this was one of the ones i was already deep into community and i knew what to expect from it but saw season three episode 17 basic lupine neurology AKA the long yes. order episode. Oh yeah. Uh, it was like it was it was a transcendent, like it was like a goosebump moment of my life. Like genuinely. I'm getting them right now, thinking about when I first watched this, because I grew up watching Law and Order. I had seen every episode of every single Law and Order show. And with the same, like, it's this strange love that you develop for like procedurals like this when you're young and they're just on. But even though you feel a separation in which you know that it's not particularly great. And this episode is played so straightforwardly. It's one of the more committed of all of the parody episodes that they do, or the yeah, the genre yeah. episodes. This is truly uh, like the color palette, the direction the is beautiful. It's easily the best yeah, yeah. Uh, genre episode. What was like your favorite joke in that episode? Oh, <laughs> dude, I no, I can't. I I I, I haven't rewatched it in. I haven't rewatched the show in general in years. I'm assuming well, you my have two one, favorite though. is just straight up is Donald Glover's Spider-Man tie when he's doing interviews. It's yeah. just, and then it's the uh, the very end of the episode when they're uh, they're all talking in the office and they just get the phone call and hear that Starburns died and it's just a straight fade to black. <laughs> like just just play it so straight, it becomes genius. <laughs>
it's it's incredible this was also a companion piece for me because this is the i believe the same year that i watched this uh is when new in town by john mulaney dropped and he talks at length about law and order and i was like where have these people <laughs> been my entire life i've been alone in the recesses of my mind bouncing around how do i feel about this show that is omnipresent and yet not great <laughs> Uh, it it just it felt so oh, incredible. man I love that episode that's that's a great pick season three episode 21 basic lupine neurology love it love it um that's Drew's favorite is this this is the one that um it's the the turnip that was or the the plant mm-hmm. that was broken right mm-hmm. and they, radish, they're investigating right? who who killed the the radish or the turnip yeah yeah, it, it's Less. it's genius shit, genius shit. I'll- and we and it and it gives us it's a great excuse to uh, kind of give all of the side characters a little shine because they're all yeah. interviewed very briefly. But you get you know you get uh, some legendary Todd <laughs> moments. You get some good Starburns, who was never my favorite um, as a character. But he, yeah, yeah Todd, <laughs> Todd's incredible. Todd, Todd's, Todd's a hero. Yeah. We'll talk about Todd it's just great three. Todd. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was just really lovely to get to see each of them like do parody, you know, because these are actors who were already not uh, necessarily equipped to do like three layer deep irony stuff. And they all really deliver in this episode. I, it's I just it's a yam, by the way. It's not a, yeah. not a turnip yeah. for her radish. It's a yam. It's a yam named Pam. Also, I wanted to shout out the moment when they're like walking and it looks like they're walking like down a New York street with yeah. like construction workers, but it's just the outside of the school. They're getting hot dogs. They're eating hot dogs. <laughs> it's, I love uh, moments like that in this show where they find ways to make the school look like a completely different setting but it's very obviously still the school like they're not trying to cheat it and that's well i'll, I'll, I'll let you guys choose your episodes before i uh, get into my next thought okay. that involves that Hunter, go but, ahead uh, so, so i mean episode. i'm going with my favorite as opposed to what i think is the best uh here and yeah. one of my personal favorites it's hard to say that i it i mean like you said there's so many that are just up here to choose from but I'm gonna pick uh, documentary filmmaking Redux, uh, season three, Dude, episode that's eight. My, that's mine that's too. The them remaking yeah. Hearts of Darkness, <laughs> and we'll get into it. When we talk about the best characters of the show, but this is Jim Rash's like deserves a oh fucking Emmy God. for this Dude. episode, and him losing his mind and covering himself <laughs> in black. I'm horrible. I'm horrible. <laughs> It is like some of the best, like the most compelling acting that I've ever seen in my life in this episode. Luis Guzman. There's so many. Yeah, Luis Guzman. Just just the idea that there's a Luis Guzman statue on the campus of Greendale. It's such a good joke. Dude, dude. Fucking Jeff in the bald cap (laughs) giving the performance of a lifetime as the Dean. As Dean. It's me. Sorry. And the D is like, Jeffrey, 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 save it for the camera. You've hit gold. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it's like so fucking perfect. Everything by my mind. There's like, 
a half dozen of the fake documentary Abed filming episodes yeah. to choose from because we're going to do it wherever we talk about our Hall of Fame. But like those are some of my favorite episodes of the entire series are whenever they try and go. I I mean, of course, there's the Ken Burns style one with the pillows and uh, blankets for it. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty like, that, there's good one. so many to choose from that take this documentary style. But that is one of my favorites is just totally just taking Hearts of Darkness to the point when they don't even try to like hide it anymore and they're just like oh you're going full hearts of darkness now yeah way <laughs> better than apocalypse it. now i love when louise Gu's mom says says it again it's just yeah. it's perfect no i i echo absolutely everything you said this was also my pick um i was i, I was kind of struggling to pick an episode from season three because like there's a run of episodes in season three where it's just like every single fucking episode is a banger but I just rewatched this one earlier today and I was like, yeah, I got to go with this one because it, it, it is such a loving homage to a certain thing. And that's what community does so well that it doesn't just parody things. It's not just trying to make fun or reference or, or do like sight gags or anything like that. It is actually trying to like really lovingly give homage to something and there's so many other episodes that do it as well, but this one I just had to go with because it 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 does that, and it gives us a truly like harrowing emotional performance, not just from Jim Rash, but kind of from like everybody, you know, Annie going insane, yeah. Stockholm <laughs> Annie is yeah, as like the full like just the cult follower of him. He's yeah. like, she's a genius. If he's not a genius, then I'm wasting all my time. Britta <laughs> and, and Troy completely broken by being forced to and meet new people. And the one that gets it over and over. Donald Glover just yells, why do you keep calling me different? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing and again jeff with the fucking bald cap also a really great pierce episode he's like hiding out in the trailer most of the time but then he gets the end tag at the end where he's like bursting out of a trailer in hollywood uh after living in it for weeks incredible episode uh jim rash is a fucking genius um all right so next category uh or let's let's you guys want to do worst episode i got one okay go ahead so this is gonna be very unpopular uh i really for i'm just saying on pure emotional reactional level the episode i was just the most bored by and didn't really enjoy at all was actually the um that rv episode with the big hand Oh, uh, no way. I okay. really just didn't laugh. I didn't really care. I think the meta stuff with Abed was about eight times too much. I think there's... It was a, it's lot, a lot in that episode. And I'm just You're like, correct. man, we're still fucking doing this, huh? Like, it just, it's just, you know, the, the show usually walks a really fine line. And this is an episode where it tripped and broke its neck. I, I really did not like it. It's, I mean, it's far from my favorite. Like, it's not a Hall of Fame episode. But I, I mean... To me, it's pretty obvious that has to be something from season four. For me, it is the felt episode because oh, okay. that wow. is that is when they are trying to do Dan Harmon and they just mm. fail. They crash and burn. See, I, I like it for that. There's a bunch of like I really hate parent. Uh, Paranormal Parentage, the second episode. The first time that I watched season four, that was the episode that just made me skip ahead to season five because I was like, I I hate this. I that hate 
so much. That episode is like starts to show why those showrunners' instincts were so bizarre and not equipped. Yeah, for that's the show. one in Pierce's mansion. Right? Yeah, that spooky- that episode dead ass ends with Pierce and Gilbert like doing like a family hug and the gang going ah on the side and it's like not played for laughs. It's just like a nice saccharine ending and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? It totally yeah. misses the point. Uh, like of everything that the show as- yeah. A general uh, dislike is Chang Nisha. Yeah. Okay. We're going <laughs> to not into it. You know, it. when you look at the whole I didn't show, it. it makes sense that they had to do that to bring back Ching and have him be this sort of redemption story after what happens in season three. But in when you're like kind of zeroing in on it, it is, it doesn't work. It doesn't at all. It doesn't Another so another reason why I I hate that is I just because I think that community is the only thing that has ever cast Ken Jong, right? Because I think Ken Jong is a legitimately really good actor. And unfortunately for him, he now gets stereotyped. Even they make it a joke in that episode that I was talking about earlier, where they cast him as Mr. Miyagi about him being stereotyped as an Asian man. He's cast now as a crazy Asian guy in like everything. And he is so much better of an actor than that. Kim Jong deserves better than the roles that he is getting. I agree with that. I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure he does. Um, I, I'm not like he, he's been best in community being dramatic, but he most of the time is just very big. I just don't and think broad. he gets the chance in film. I think that he could if he ever gets the opportunity. Drew, what is your? Uh, Least favorite, worst episode of Community. Generally, Changnesia, any episode that revolves very strongly around that. Uh, yeah, though you're talking about the one that's the 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 documentary type episode. Y- mm-hmm. Yes, and then like beyond that, um, I'm I'm looking through IMDb and there's an episode in season of season four that I have no memory of, which I've re- watched all of Community like at least three times. Uh, economics of marine biology. <laughs> Dean and Annie try to land a whale student while Jeff is assigned to keep Pierce occupied. Meanwhile, Troy and Sherry blah, 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 blah. Like that. That is that is actually the one I picked. Uh, yeah, oh, really? I was, going, I was most, going to also single out that episode as just being truly just nothing. the most uneventful episode of the whole show. Not not terrible, but it's just like you have them trying to impress this rich student, and then uh, the B story of like a PE coach class, and it's just like. Very bland and uneventful, but we can move on now to best character. Okay, so these, you know, we could keep it to just the study group, but I kind of want to branch it out to like the other main characters. So Harry, let's go back to you. What is your favorite character? Okay, yeah. So I weirdly had a lot of trouble with this because uh, I don't, I don't like... I'm not fond of any of the characters. They're all hilarious, but it's not a situation where I, you know, um, it's kind of hard to put in the words. Just the show just so delicately walks the bounce between these are varied, flawed people who can do good and bad things. And I kind of view it on that lens. Uh, so through that, honestly, I kind of, I th- on rewatch, I think my favorite character is Pierce. Um, Interesting. Because, okay. Yeah. I don't, it's, I don't, it's hard to, but it's like, he's the character who, A, honestly, Chevy Chase is the one of the funniest things i've ever seen uh in the show he made me laugh so much even though he is a virulent racist uh and an asshole but i also think he kind of represents what the show does so well is kind of 
walked that fine line between flaws and goodness. And also he kind of verbalizes what's great about the show, which is how it kind of is a place where people have sickness and can kind of work on that. Um, it kind of just was the character that felt the most in tune with what I felt Harmon was trying to say. Um, and also he just made me laugh a lot. Like, I don't know what it was this time around, but I just thought his Chevy chase was really, really killing it. Um, but yeah, favorite character was the thing that kind of tripped me up because what I like about the show is that all of the main cast have qualities and attributes that you can see in yourself, but it's not a one-to-one ever. Um, but yeah, that's me. Clearly I'm still, I'm still thinking about it. But well, that's, that's it explains why you're so, uh, uh, against Jonathan Banks coming in and kind of stealing that. that <laughs> well, slide. I guess yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just jealous that he's taken over Chevy's spot. Yeah. But and I, well, I, th- I think you are right too. And that, the reason why I think Keith David is better is because Jonathan Banks, they almost just wrote him as a Pierce replacement as he's an asshole, but he's also part of the friend yeah, group. But it's not- Keith David, Keith David, he's old, but he's like nice. Nobody yeah, like he's a whole different Keith person. David. Where yeah. it was missing something after Pierce left. Like Pierce was a villain for several episodes, like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and one of the paintball episodes and stuff. Like he is an enemy of the group, but he's still like kind of friends with them. Yeah, and everything that goes on, like it, and it was missing a little bit of it, something. They didn't quite know what to do after he left. On rewatch, that show and the dynamic needed Pierce to kind of like push the show in directions and kind of have pushback and just kind of give a bigger idea of what Harmon is trying to say. Uh, I feel, I feel like he's the most important character in the show. That's kind of where I land on it. Okay, um, I. I I, I kind of want to revisit a lot of I've been, I was trying to jump around the earlier seasons like one and two and I think I want to revisit this because um, I think that Pierce is kind of my least favorite character because it's it's nothing that has to do with Chevy Chase it's more about like how they choose to position Pierce for a lot of the jokes like he tends to be the butt of a lot of like dumb racist old man type humor and it starts to get a little old for me after a while and then on top of that you know this is a very very meta show so then you add all of the behind the scenes fucking drama Harmon's feelings on Chevy Chase (laughs) yeah and not just Harmon but like apparently the whole cast had a really tough time working with him he's a bad man and and yeah he he just did he didn't he never gelled and I, I can feel that from the characters, even if they do a good job of like incorporating the character into the story and a lot of arcs, um, the overall vibe I get from it is just that he never quite gels with the rest of the group. Well, I, I understand th- that that's kind of the point. Yeah. But I think that's kind of a feature is that like just by the actor, just the writing, just like there is kind of a low hostility low level of hostility or antagonism antagonism to that character i think it makes the entire group more interesting yeah to me yeah all right drew your favorite character um put very simply uh jim rash's performance as dean pelton is (laughs) the uh single best uh consistent every single episode scene stealing performance in a sitcom since kramer on seinfeld yes yes 
Are we all in agreement? Hundred percent agree. We all pick Dean, dude. <laughs> he's so good. Like he is. It is a perfect. No one has ever. Bat- no one has batted a thousand since Kramer dude, in terms of just pure comedic value added to scenes. It's fucking electric. This guy, like the Dean, is not only my favorite character in the show, but I think one of my favorite characters in any show ever. and so like, much it of it is, is because of him too this character was written to be wildly different much like a lot of characters on the show as they evolved he was written to look very different than jim rash looks but he just scored an audition and they were like i mean what are we going to do not cast this guy uh because this is a screenwriter this guy is not even an actor by trade he wrote the descendants which won the oscar for best screenplay mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the descendants. Yeah, yeah, him and his yeah. and his his yeah. writing partner is Nat Faxon, who also pops up in sitcoms a lot. He, I think he That's popped cool. up in Community at one point. But it, it is it is unbelievable what he accomplished with this character that was. Uh, I mean, they all started more broadly than they ended, but his evolution <laughs> into <laughs> full full on uh, erotic homosexuality. It's um, amazing. Him, well, I don't gay, he is not be, calling him gay describes two sevenths of what he actually <laughs> is. He's so unfucking I, believable. Okay. So what is y'all's favorite dean? Okay, I have two. Or, I have two. I could right. I could not choose if you forced me to. One is him, uh, I think he's in I want to say it's a candy bar costume doing his rap that goes really dark. Yeah, criminals. <laughs> the Wall nut, it's the nut. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know. What, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Is that season that six? Was. So uh, yeah. Barack Obama, six, be yes. scared of me. <laughs> Just unreal. It's, it's the cold open of season yeah. five, episode nine. And since then, oh, people have people have pointed yeah. out that you can see every actor breaking if you pay attention to them. <laughs> yeah. No, Britta. Britta looks at the camera after he's done. It's unreal. She like can't believe it. It is a fucking powerhouse because I'm very, very picky about comedic performances and he never, ever doesn't deliver. My second one is him uh, twitching on the ground when he sees Jeff wearing aviators. And, and yeah. go, he's twitching and he's like, oh, the shadow, even the shadow. <laughs> that's, I love- that's incredible. I think one of my favorites, it's very simple, but it shows just how... He, Dean like immediately steals the scene is in that clip show episode that you talked about earlier, Harry, where it just has him coming in in all these insane costumes. <laughs> and the other one is the one whenever he's doing like half man, half woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like in it's- the scene it's with him, just like guys, I think I really overdid it with this costume. <laughs> My favorite I one. To, I have to go to the DMV later today. <laughs> the bank. I have to go to the bank. I have to no, go but, to the but, bank. but they like it. They're like, they're into it. They respect him for it or something. My favorite of that was uh, that clip shows when he dresses up like the uh, the the lady in like the bonnet or the, the old. Yeah, the, and the, the like Southern Belle yeah, outfit. Like, hey, my dear, I don't give a Dean. Are gone, <laughs> gone to the windows, a uh, solar wind ball or whatever. He's like, yeah, it's like gone building. with the wind to save us electricity. We're getting rid of all the windows in the, <laughs> the building. It's fucking incredible. So my, my favorite yeah. Dean moment is all of documentary filmmaking redux. Like that whole episode maybe if i had to pick one moment is when he most looks like francis ford coppola when he has the aviators on 
and he's just incredible like back oh with, also like, him dean all of dean fucking with vr in the vr episode oh <laughs> yes oh my god jesus what <laughs> really that, jesus what that was for, for a later season that all of the the vr graphics are so well executed to me and how awful they are um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And him just walking on really socks good. in that little ring. <laughs> so the the rap, the rap is amazing. The uh gay dean, gay dean, the Jolene <laughs> shit is amazing. Um, but if I had to pick another one, it would be the uh, uh Kiss from a Rose karaoke with Jeff. Oh my in, god, in the Annie's Move so episode. Just Mwah. chef's kiss just beautiful just everything about that is perfection and how jeff like actually gets really into yeah. it oh it's <laughs> such a good episode oh man i, I, love I mean i really you. i think that also with jim rasser's performance i think that he is the funniest on set to anybody else on the entire show because well joe like, McHale thinks just, that he's the funniest on set <laughs> well yes but he thinks that he is but i think the jim rash like genuinely not just to us three on here like that i think that he is also just the genuinely funniest person on set because i mean for the peanut butter one he kind of like improvised that on the scene but also i feel like he does that with a lot of them because you can kind of see them like half breaking and trying yeah. to hold it together with some of the other insane costumes that he comes in and some of the other shit that he says throughout the entire show like it's incredible if i was going to pick anybody else aside from him i think that it would be abed because i think that abed is yeah. kind of the character of like the show is completely different without he's the, he's the thesis of the whole show like mm -hmm. you have to if we're talking about like the most important character you have to have abed in the show as Especially Abed's growth is probably like, yeah, arguably the most compelling arc. On well, the it's also show. it also is just what you said. It's mostly like trackable growth as opposed to inexplicable change that is for uh, television reasons, which is mm -hmm. why Troy didn't make like my list and really wasn't even like my top three because a lot yeah. of the evolution that his character undergoes is completely unrelated to character growth it's just because the character needed to be different no well weirdly season four is kind of the best for troy because that season four lays the seeds for him trying to become his own person and move apart from abed even if it makes it a worse show for that time what's i i might get some flack for this but one of my favorite parts of the show is uh Jeff's character and I think what makes the show truly great is when they they pivot from making Jeff the uh snarky cool main character to deconstructing him into an insecure uh person and making yeah. Britta the love interest of being the worst it's just that was the moment where I think the show like solidified as being something way way better than what it used well, to be well even even in the end the uh, season 6 Jeff is so fascinating because he's so diametrically like opposite of what that character was at the beginning of the show and you end up with a jeff who is like so terrified of the future and knowing that like things have to change and people have to move on and things can't stay the same and he was this guy who was like thriving being this mediocre fucking lawyer <laughs> college student and just really feeling himself and then all of that, you know, kind of fades away and he's really scared of it. And it, it's a great performance. I, I think I think Jeff is also a, um, 
uh, a great character to to shout yeah. out as well. But he, he's he's in my top three. I know that's unpopular, but I just I love. No, it. I think it's I, totally yeah. valid. I think that, was, that his arc makes the last two seasons of the show. Agreed. Like that, it really does. The fact that he was this cool hot shot, and now he's going to be. He now came to a realization that he's going to be the last one left at Greendale. Yeah, and everybody else, all of his friends are going to leave and move on to bigger and better things. But he's now in his forties, and he's and that's college. that's such an interesting development for a network tv main character it's 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 really kind of a sad arc but like in a very honest way and that was kind of the first time i saw a character like that on television just like taking something kind of very generic and making it much more human and flawed and something that i could understand on that level uh yeah, yeah. i think it's really cool last last thing about the dean though before we <laughs> move on is i just love how there's just this tragic vulnerability to the character, you know, and it's and not tragic in a sense that it's like sad and dramatic, but like you have this like real emotional connection to this guy and these moments when like things can get really, really dire with him. Um, and it never like breaks the show or turns it into like a very special episode of community or anything like that. But like, it just, just to kind of be a little bit more detailed with it, that, again the 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 my favorite episode the documentary uh redux it, it, there's this power and this like flawed leadership that's full of compassion and empathy that really speaks to me and it's just so encapsulated by by that episode and it's in a lot of other episodes but there's just so many moments when he is reminded or other characters or we the audience are reminded like what makes his position in the school so special and what makes the school so special and having somebody like him leading it and 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 why it's not an ordinary place and i think that that's really one of the defining reasons why he's my favorite character is like he kind of defines why greendale is not an ordinary place because he's in charge of it and he knows what is special about it and and he stewards it in a really good direction. He also it logistically is what justifies all of the chaos in the show. Yes. Like yes. it couldn't be exist without him. <laughs> yeah, somebody oh, yeah. else in that job would not let any of that shit fucking fly. Yeah. Which they yeah. they play around with later with the um Frankie the Frankie character exactly, which I, I I enjoy that a lot. I think that's I, really well done. Yeah, I was kind of shocked how much that character worked for me. We're getting off topic. Padgett but Brewster like, is a great actress mm -hmm. and so underutilized. She's sitting happy for life because she was on Criminal Minds for like ten years, uh, so she's unbelievably rich. But she is so 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 good <laughs> as Frankie. I mean, speaking of speaking of like Jonathan Banks kind of filling in a slot, you know, she they they maybe attempt to put her in the shirley slot it wasn't but very quickly it it, it she becomes her no own she was yeah she was like an auditor of the show she was almost like a like a lawful neutral to abed's more yeah. like abed <laughs> is this crazy combination of chaotic and lawful um and she comes in and i love uh when they explore how the similarities between those two characters and they end up bonding it's yeah, it's just a lovely little uh, character to add yeah. in season six. Does anybody have any any least favorite characters? Uh, well, not least favorite, but I do feel like there was so much meat left on the bone that I really they kind of recover a little bit in the last couple seasons, but I really hated Britta's arc. 
especially on this last rewatch up until season five, where they actively acknowledged like what happened, Britta, you were an activist and now you're like the airhead of the group. Like what, what happened there? And they do kind of recover it a little bit with the later seasons, but I, I, I did not like where her character was going. So that's funny. I have a very hot take here. I think Jillian Jacobs is one of the best actors on the show. Oh, no, so do I. I, I, I completely agree. That's why I think that there was meat left on the bone for her character. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, the fact that you can make a character, you know, to go back to my refrain of walking a line, making a character that annoying and likable at the same time, like, that is not easy. And Jillian Jacobs just crushes it like on a rewatch i was like wow she really brings so much to this and a great uh, a great commentary on a certain type of like performative liberal woman <laughs> liberal white woman so ahead of its time yeah yeah, yeah. Very like, much. they nailed it like what she say she's like i can excuse racism but i draw a line at animal yeah cruelty. no britta would <laughs> yeah. britta would totally be like a nancy pelosi yas queen yes yeah. god yeah but she she wouldn't even know why she wouldn't she wouldn't have enough knowledge to like understand like what the speaker of the house actually does yeah or no she important. yeah Britta has a notorious RBG shirt <laughs> <laughs> all right what's uh what's next seasons best oh. and worst seasons I mean does anybody think that season four is not the worst season or no season and we can move yeah, on from that four. yeah gas <laughs> league i mean i will say there's some there's some good moments i think the premiere episode is is a good moment uh with the hunger games uh parody i think that's kind of fun i think abed's like fantasy show is great which by the way featuring the late fred willard yeah. Yeah. as fucking killer yeah. actor yeah, I don't know, man, that that episode and that whole season just feels like diet soda. I just was not vibing with it whatsoever. It's, it's not the real like, thing. Uh, my favorite season is season three. Yes, um, that's obvious. That is when yeah, banger after three. banger. After I don't banger. think it's obviously. I think season two is uh, really, really, really good. Um, yeah, Harry's going to yeah, season three I, for me yeah. is just when they realize that they could just take the wheels off the whole fucking thing. Uh, they could go as they could veer as hard into any direction for a single episode as they wanted to. Uh, and so the the highs of season three are like the highs of television for me. That's interesting. I always view season two as where they decide to just go balls out and do whatever they want. I feel like season three to me has more relatively more misses it's still an unbelievable season of television uh but i just uh just just a few episodes i remember not clicking with me entirely the um abed uh inspector space time episode being a notable miss for me where he was uh kind of bonding with annie and i remember being like i mm. feel like this should be connecting with me a lot more than it is and I, I never felt that during season two um but to be clear i'm like differentiating between like an a plus plus and an a plus yeah. so it doesn't matter these too are both much. incredible well, two, seasons two has has um, Dude. two has this peak that's really really sharp you know it has like the 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 two paintball episodes at the end yeah and the the bottle episode with the pen so it, it's got like a really also the dungeons and dragons episode in that one too and the um abed's uncontrollable christmas episode as well i rest my after after abed's uncontrollable christmas i feel like every episode is just perfection they're just hitting them out of the park routinely yeah I, but in for three the run in three is unbelievable for me like you've got remedial chaos you've got annie's move pillows and blankets 
the Glee Club one. The Law and Order. And then um, di- Foosball. One of, one of my runner-ups for my favorite episode is Digital Estate Planning, the video game episode. Yes. That's so good. I mean, yeah, Incredible that one is episode. so good. I, I might be wrong on this, but do you notice that when you do Netflix autoplay, it skips that episode? What? No. Oh, I, I didn't I, have I, that problem. I could be wrong, but I think this has happened to me twice like because it goes the episode um the 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 uh the asylum episode where they're crazy and that kind of leads up to the lockdown uh to the um the the heist episode but like in between that is the video game episode yeah. and when i hit play it just went right over it or i'm wrong and wasn't paying I think attention your netflix is, is fucking up i feel like up. this has happened before i don't know it doesn't matter um I, yeah. I think that we should we haven't even talked about remedial chaos I was gonna all, say. which is the Best. If I was going to say the best episode of Community, it's Remedial yeah, Chaos. Theory. I agree. Like it is, that is the episode. It's won the Emmy. It's the only Emmy I believe that the show ever won, and its run was for the writing in that episode. And I've now seen that episode probably six or seven times. And I just, I was just rewatched it a few days ago, like a week or two ago. I was just as affected by it as I was the very first time that I watched it, where you were just hands over your mouth like you can't believe what you're seeing it is yeah. the most audacious thing i've ever seen it's also well, it, it's like yeah. a it's like a high wire act of writing and 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 editing too it's like mm-hmm. it's it's this perfect balance of something that is so tightly wound and packed together that if one thing is just out of place it completely bursts yeah it's apart. it's it's, a, it's top tier it's a complete like understanding of its characters and i'm gonna uh about that episode, I've always had a weird like feeling about going back and rewatching Community. It was just some kind of like anxiety, and I never quite knew why until I rewatched it. Uh, it's this episode which um, kind of I remember now. It kind of devastates me every time I watch it uh, because in college uh, that show was kind of really affecting me a lot. It was hitting me emotionally, and um, you know, not to get too personal, but the last timeline in that episode where uh, Jeff goes and gets the pizza and his absence from that group kind of shows that they're a lot happier without him. That was uh, super personal and devastating to me as someone who kind of had that fear about myself in college. Uh, it's, a, it's a little more separate now, but just the fact that it could make me feel that kind of way, just an episode of television could bring me to that place. Uh, I, I think about it a lot. Um, it's it's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it, of and it has I, I think that's how punch. Harmon. I think that's how Harmon feels too. You know, Here. he's he's that type of guy who is just so. Uh, I mean, not, I'm not saying that's that's how you are because I know you're not as horrible as as Harmon <laughs> is, but he's so self destructive. You know, this this Harmon is just like this really uh, like self hating person, and and I, that's that was him trying to make Jeff veer a little bit in that direction of of knowing that he he was having some sort of negative impact on these people that he was getting closer to yeah no i'm pleased to say that my life's gone in a different direction but uh back in college i definitely identified with uh jeff winger in a lot of unhealthy ways and that was kind of like the answer that was the answer to my fears about myself was the ending of that episode. And it made me want to walk off a bridge, uh, not in a, uh, not a dark way. <laughs> yeah. Walk off a bridge in yeah. a good way. Yeah. In a great <laughs> way. I was thinking like a pier, like walking into the water. That's not fu- like an because the, this show meant the most to me in high school because uh, I identified with Abed more and it terrified me, but that's how I felt. <laughs> I felt like a walking encyclopedia of like jokes and references and like nothing more at my worst, you know? And that's 
it's not a good feeling, but the fact that you can see yourself in some of these characters and the actions they take, and it's in such an honest way. It's not dark. It's not mean. It's not happy. It's that melancholy middle ground. Yeah, and I've never seen something walk that line. It's my favorite phrase <laughs> so much. Um, so where are we at? Best uh, guest star? Yeah, I was just going to say one quick last thing about season three as a whole and mm -hmm. why I, I love it so much is because I love how it manages to still have like a season long sort of thread where you have the air conditioning repair school and the Chang rising to power. <laughs> and both of those things work so well without turning this into a, a super serialized episode. Like it's still fairly procedural with each episode being a different thing and a different adventure and, and theme yeah. type thing where you can just kind of bounce around. But when you watch the whole season as a whole, you get Troy going into the AC repair school and uh, Chang becoming a dictator through the also, security guards. John fucking Goodman. Oh, uh, we'll get to John him. Goodman, our king. We'll get yeah, to So best, yeah. best um, guest star. I, I, for me, it's John Goodman. Interesting. I went, yeah. I went single episode with mine. Oh, I oh, I feel like we're gonna have the same one, Drew. I don't know. I don't know. You go first. I okay. So my just on sheer comedy. I just rewatched this episode. I've watched it twice. It makes me laugh so hard. It's uh, it's Walton Goggins. Nice. In, yeah, uh, he's lovely. <laughs> so good. It's just this great understated performance where he's channeling all the emotion and the tension, and he's facilitating all that in the group. And then at the very end with that teaser where he's just drunk as hell, like just talking nonsense, it's such a release. And the, the last scene where he goes, are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Shots! And like, it is one of the funniest faces I've ever seen. I love Alton Goggins anyway. Yeah, he's and great he always. Well, that, that episode, that's a Hall of Fame episode right there. And it that's is. the it's one that they just did for the Zoom uh, reunion yeah. table read. And they had Pedro Pascal do the the Walton Goggins role, and he couldn't say <laughs> metallic semen cylinder or whatever. I love, like he couldn't get through those lines. I, I, I he, yeah, just that character in that episode and that actor, it just all was perfect. It, it it was the perfect kind of thing you want from that kind of role, which is that it aids things and it complements them. It doesn't get in the way, and then it just brings it all home with a tease yeah, at the end. My my single it. episode pick is. It, it's a sort of a role that encapsulates the show and like what it is saying about TV in so many ways. It's French Stewart. <laughs> and um, what episode? It was season three up 12 contemporary impressionist playing a former French Stewart impressionist who had to become <laughs> the manager of the impression company because no one cares about French Stewart anymore. <laughs> like that, that is a, it, you just kind of have to give him props because that is, uh, you know, you could take that very the wrong way <laughs> if you wanted to, if he wanted to be <laughs> self-serious. Um, and he he dipped right into the role. He he got like weirdly intimidating, uh, you know, talking about breaking uh, Abed's legs and all that. Um, and I, I love that episode in general. Like I said, that's the same episode where uh, the Dean is twitching on the ground <laughs> because uh, Jeff's ego is exploding. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the idea and the writing of that role. His performance is very good, but it's really more about the character to me. I just, I love the idea of that and of, of getting the actual guy who was willing to do such a thing. Like, I wonder okay, if they, just... I wonder if he said, oh, I love your show. I want to be involved. However, or if like they wrote it for like just general, <laughs> we, we're going to find a former star who's like fallen off. 
It's like a Jessica Beale and Bojack, if I'm thinking the right actress. <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? Was yeah, she... she plays like a she plays like a horrible version of herself. It's the same. It's her doing it. She's just yeah. totally game. But Hunter, yeah. your your favorite guest star. My favorite guest star is uh, different that we haven't brought this episode at all yet, but it is Taryn Killam in regional holiday music. That's a great <laughs> pick. I do. Taryn Killam is so is really good. good in this role. And this is one of my favorite episodes. Like, I really think this episode is genius, especially because they do the whole thing about how they saved the Glee Club in the season <laughs> prior in the clip show. And then they're like, oh, Regionally. we have to save the Glee Club again. <laughs> like, that's like a recurring bit that they have just in this episode. But just everything about it's Dan Harmon at like his like highest level of parody and one of the best versions where it pays off where he's just like cool okay we're doing a musical episode the whole thing is that like nobody wants a musical episode and Taryn Killam as the evil glee club teacher who has like killed the last glee club and he's ready to kill another glee it's just it's one of my favorite performances as far as a single episode goes in the entire show where like he doesn't even get much screen time in the episode, but whenever he does, he just commands the screen, and you are kind of terrified of him. Yeah, Hunter, that's not I, 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 that's not one of my favorite episodes, but uh, he is fucking incredible. He is. In that he really episode. is. He's the best part of it. My my favorite uh, multiple episode. I think it's just two or three, but it's uh, Coogler. <laughs> oh, Coogler was the, the fucking showrunner of yeah, the, that's right. the other most meta and maligned sitcom of yeah. all time that was on a major network. And uh, yeah, just, just yeah, he's in Meow Meow. Development. He's in Meow Meow Beans, and then he comes back in season yeah, six, the paintball episode. But yeah, just an instantly uh, classic character. Just in the writing of it, it's just it's beautiful. And to think, you know, the idea What's his... of a, a community college's like coolest party guy is like a fifty-year-old <laughs> Jewish man. <laughs> What's his name in season six? It's like Fat Daddy. And, yeah, uh, it's, like drug, it's like Drug Dad or something. <laughs> Ernest, so what, what was your like favorite part of John Goodman? I feel like we got away from that. He just has this imposing presence that nobody on the show really has at any point until he comes in. And he just has like this dramatic gravitas that just kind of takes you back because it's like community is just kind of a really fun time. It's just a fun show. And like, here comes John Goodman telling us like, oh, 80% of the school's budget comes from the uh, AC repair school's alumni donations. And you didn't have to know that, but now you do. And now we have to step in and show you who's boss. Such, such a bizarre like side story, little side quest. What? I love it. I his, love it. And I love the, the whole thing with like Troy being like this goodwill hunting, like, <laughs> yeah, well, AC it's, it's all set up the year before when he like gets when they have the original goodwill hunting episode. And he just like walks by the water fountain, just picks it up and like the soft piano plays literally just straight out of goodwill. Hunting. His, uh, his John Goodman's delivery when he's kind of explaining the history of the school and he's walking Troy down the hallway, he goes, No more palm fronds, Troy. No, yeah. we are the pharaohs. It's one of the best things he's ever done. He's, yeah, I he is. That is a great pick. Um, and when he, when he's like Troy, you know the are you familiar with the phrase room temperature? <laughs> this, this is the room. Is the room. <laughs> I love awesome. it. Genius. Yeah, that rolls. All right, what's next? Last couple. Last couple things here. So 
uh, best paintball episode. Um, this one I feel like is kind of a toss up. It, they're all great. You've got the season one Modern Warfare, which is a huge action movie send up. Then in season two, you got a double with Fistful of Paintballs being the Western and for a few paintballs more being the Star Wars. Are, are we counting that as are we counting that as one episode or two? Because they're very different. If we had to, yeah, if we split it, I would I would probably put the first one uh, a little bit higher than the than the second yep. one. And then in season six, we have Modern Espionage, which actually might be my pick. Interesting. Be- Whoa. Because right. it's I like do a, love that episode. It's like really a Bond, good. it's like a Bond movie episode, and you have like Kumail as the Bond villain. And I just just because of Kumail as a Bond villain that yeah. this show gave us, I was like, all right, hell so yes. I gotta give it to uh a fistful of paintballs. Uh, the Star Wars so episode, good. I think, is is pretty good. I like it, but I think that the cowboy like Western episode is so fucking funny. It's cool. It progresses the Pierce storyline. It's just like this very. It just it's it's the show on all cylinders. And the running joke where uh, Jeff keeps seeing um, the guy from Lost and being like, "Oh, he's not that good looking." Is yeah. one of my yeah. favorite. He's like, "I've seen you, Black Rider. I think you're good looking." But you're no, not. I that was my pick as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, fucking Sawyer. That was also yeah, my Sawyer pick for Lost. Jo- Josh Holloway. It's it's yeah. it's just a perfect episode for shock value. The season one episode was like the first time they really went like balls deep into something like this. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Directed by Justin Lin. Yeah. Who would go yeah. on to do fucking Fast and Furious and shit. And what was the second directed by? Uh, is that was the it Russo? It was Russo Brothers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Of Yumi and Dupree. Awesome. Of, yes. That's right. Of Yumi and Dupree. <laughs> of Netflix's Extraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no. A fistful of paintballs is my favorite for the same reasons. It's it's incredible I, yeah. TV. It's just so good. I mean, I think I really I would have to give it to Fistful of Paintballs, but I do think the Star Wars one is great, especially it's one of my favorite Abed performances. Yeah. And that because it's so out of left field that he's just like, I'm taking the Han Solo character before you can, Jeff. Oh well that's just that's starts, for a few paintballs more. Or no no no, that's what I mean. Is the yeah, the Star Wars one, yeah, the, the one after that, where he just he's just making out with Annie in the <laughs> rain of painful. I love that. But I do love um the espionage one too, because there's the whole joke of like we're not doing any more paintballs. Paintballs are done, yeah. like we've and done it's like too a many hidden paintball game episodes. About, yeah. And I do love the whole espionage take on everything too. So there's no bad answer here. Um, the modern warfare one is just one of those episodes that's absolutely fucking packed with references. It's like Terminator and Rambo and Predator. It was it was a life and, changer for me when that when I saw that episode. I was like, oh yeah, okay. TV is and like John yeah. John Woo movies, like that shot of yeah. Chang coming in with the double fucking gun, that's the really golden good. guns. Yeah. It's just like what yeah. you can do this. It's just it's like this show is a cartoon in so many ways. It it's like the most elastic live action sitcom I've ever seen in my life. I yeah, it it was really weird because I don't I beyond before this rewatch, I hadn't watched the season one since two thousand nine, and uh, kind of remembering how much of the Jeff and Britta will they won't they even carries into those final episodes. It just it felt wrong. <laughs> I'm just like I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. Like, like just don't do this. <laughs> when you know where their plot lines go, you're it's, like no, just stop. Because then they they kind of try and bring it back in the end of season five, but as a joke, like oh yeah, we're gonna get married. It's just. 
It's like no, yeah, just it's one, that was, not, that's just one of those plot that. lines that you know like had to be sold to yes. the network. Like it was record baked into the pitch. It had to it, happen. It's, it's so weird going back to season one, seeing all of those conventional sort of things being put into the show when you know where it's going to go. It, it yeah. just, it, it's really wild. It, yeah. Uh, what's next? All right. Last category before we get to our Hall of Fame is the best side character. So the answer is Garrett here. <laughs> Garrett? Um, I think, it, I, I mean, I could make a case for Starburns. Why, here's why. Garrett marries his cousin. Dude. <laughs> Let's yes. not forget that Garrett, Garrett, and he finds out his cousin is just like, yeah, I'm still going to fuck my cousin. <laughs> and the best thing about that episode is it ends, the ending of the episode is the writer of the episode coming on to explain himself and say, hi, I'm the writer of the episode. Of the incest episode of Community. The only way that we could make this episode is if we agreed that I would come on at the end to say I am the writer of the incest episode of Community. Quick also, tangent. because that, that episode is a huge payoff for the whole series where this guy has been relegated to like background gags and jokes and just kind of like completely unappreciated. And now he gets a chance at like finding love. And here comes the fucking study group that at this point in the show is exposed to be just like awful, awful people ruining his happy wedding day. Well, we didn't even bring this up when we were talking about season three, but one of my other favorite things of season three, which was something that you brought up in our group chat, Harry, before, is that season three is whenever, like, everybody realizes that they are, like, the enemies of the school. And, like, that episode, the incest marriage episode, is kind of another payoff of that that we hadn't gotten for, like, two seasons when you remember, like, Oh yeah, like these guys suck. Like everybody I, hates them. I think that episode, the wedding episode, is fucking incredible. I think it <laughs> might I don't know why. It might be my favorite episode of like four to six, besides the finale. Like it, it really It's so good. Uh, it's so good. It's so, so cringe. Like there are moments in that once you start to see like what's happening, you start to yeah. see the setup. It's like so hard to watch the payoff. It's like, <laughs> oh, I gotta cover my fucking Here's eyes. A, I can't. A confession is that I had just watched that episode for the first time because i stopped same. watching season six no, and i had seen like the finale like parts of it at least and so i knew that whole thing but i had not seen the wedding episode until literally today it's, it's top tier and my it's job really as so soon as they like start introducing like nima and like and there's <laughs> like and they were born in the same hospital i was like oh no i know exactly where this is going i love keith david this in that episode insane oh yeah. he's like keith he's did, addicted to oh, congratulating her i've had that experience before with somebody <laughs> with people at wings there's, there's just that one guy who just comes out and just like hey this is look at him you keep doing Whoa, you. what you got meatballs <laughs> <laughs> we're getting off topic but keith david is so good in this goddamn so good so good <laughs> i want to like, see the 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 oh what's it called the wingman the fucking side uh spinoff that's teased in the vr <laughs> episode oh yeah like the the yeah so who's up next um, I, any what other, what and, other side character? I was going to make the case have? for Starburns and him faking his own death. All right, that's your bag. Um, you like the Starburns, but I I can't take it away from Garrett. So, I love Garrett. No, my my pick was Todd actually. 
Todd because yes. Garrett was like born to just be that guy that has like a crazy voice and a crazy face. Todd is a very innocuous actor. Uh, I had seen him <laughs> before this show. I had seen him in like a discover investigation discovery, like reenactment show. He was just like one of the characters on an, you know, he's just a guy That's who just hilarious. kind of bounced around and he is his, his, the monologue he gives at the end of the episode, the Todd episode, the, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> it's so good. And then the, the line delivery where he goes, he's like, I don't even want to finish college, which was the wish of my dying father. <laughs> like the way he's like that. You're right. That guy just brings so much to the table. He's so, and like, he's the, so, so good. I really, really yeah. like Todd. He's also one of the best performances in the basic lupine urology because he is a guy you would just see in a law and order. You know, a guy who's like, yeah, I don't know. Last time I saw him, you know, just like some random. That's all yeah. he is. And he really delivers every line perfectly. He also, like, as far as side characters go, I love his, like, kind of mini arc that he has where you kind of hate him along with the group and then you sympathize with him. And then in the same, the incest wedding episode, you're like, oh, this is the most terrifying individual that I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And I never want, if this person ever came near me, I would sprint in the He's just a three-dimensional guy to me. Like, he, you know, when he reveals in that monologue <laughs> that he fought in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> just like damn so and he has like kids and shit <laughs> like, i can't even <laughs> i just want to watch the todd episode no, I, I love todd i love him so much <laughs> my, my favorite side character i don't even know why i just i love leonard so much dude. just like leonard's <laughs> great r.i.p dude R. did R. he die he after died yeah yeah he died in 2019 god i, I sent you this in the group Darkest chat but when he's 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 a ragging on winger, and he just goes, "This is my house." Just the way he says it, I I don't I like that. Like they just kind of progressively make this character weirder and weirder, yeah. and he starts reviewing food, and then he's yeah, like living in a apartment with like this huge guy with dreads. It's just um, like he has a and you're about to get shot. <laughs> he's he has a really good moment in the documentary ducks episode when it, it the the lower third says like Leonard up and comer. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to get into this TV biz thing. <laughs> Looks like it's sticking around. Awesome. Yeah. Those are good categories. He's great. Starburns is great. Um, the thing with him is, because the conceptually, it's incredible. Just a guy who wears a top hat and has star sideburns. Um, you know, <laughs> and and like, he doesn't want that. He does not want that to be part of his identity. <laughs> so I think people don't know me for me or whatever. So Dino Stamantopoulos is one of the best sketch writers of all time. The, yeah, the, Mr. Show, right? Yeah, he wrote every like almost all of the best sketches on Mr. Show. He wrote pre-tape Colin Show. He wrote um the the metal band one with the guy with the burnt bot. Like he his pedigree in writing is so strong and he hates acting. He does not like it. He did not want to be in this show, but he's friends with Dan. This like the production company is Starburns Industries for a lot of Dan I'm stuff. Really glad you're dropping this knowledge because I had no idea that is incredible. It's really, it's really nuts when you look at the sketches that he wrote for Mr. Show. You're like, my God, this man he said his yeah. name, and I was like, oh, Drino's. Yeah, name. he's like, he's one of, he's probably like Harmon's like best friend. You know, like awesome. if he, if he had a best friend, it'd probably be Dino. yeah, they're buddies. But I'm not crazy about him as an actor. I really, I, like, you know, I think that you know, it's a good character. I think a lot of the time he was flat, and he knows it, and that's why he doesn't like acting because he is not an actor. I do love some of the character choices that he has. Like every new season that he's introduced, he has a new quirk about him. Like I think it's either season two or season three when he's just carrying a lizard three. around on That's his shoulder. He goes, <laughs> like he he's goes, just he's just he's just like I just want people to see me. He goes, 
He goes, Starburns, Top Hat, Lizard. That's his art. I'm kind of shocked none of us picked Magnitude. I mean, he's a pop, pop, pop. That joke is just incredible to me every time. It's lovely. The whole bit where he, I think it's in the paintball episode where he's just like, actually, I'm British. Yeah, lovely. Or when he dives he dives in on top of the paintball grenade and he's like, pop. And Troy's like, pop what? Pop what? What's he trying to say? All right. Um, so our, our Pantheon, the three that we all had as our favorite episodes, because you guys had the same one. Those go in for the, the top 10, right? Okay. Let me. All right. So here, let's, 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 uh, let's look at our Hall of Fame of episodes here. So I'm going to send a list to this Zoom chat Thank right you, now. Um, this is the list that I made, but let I me. I will edit. Yeah, let me, because I need to put in the ones that um, you guys picked for your favorite episodes. So, for, so Harry put in season two, episode seven, uh, 21, and Drew put in season three, episode 17. Yeah, basic lupine neurology. So, we need to put in both of those. Um, um, so, I have season one, episode 21, Contemporary American Poultry, which is the Scorsese Goodfellas Chicken Fingers episode. That is a yeah. great then episode. Season yeah. one, episode 23, Modern Warfare, the paintball one. Season two, episode eight, Cooperate Calligraphy is the- The pen. Um, the pen one, the bottle episode. Season two, episode 11, Abbott's Uncontrollable Christmas. Season two, episode 14, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, season three, episode four, Remedial Chaos Theory. Season three, episode eight, Documentary Filmmaking Redux. Season three, episode 14, Pillows and Blankets. <laughs> now season this is five, podcasting. Episode three, <laughs> Basic Intergluteal Pneumastics. And which one is that? Yeah, that is the that is the David Fincher looking oh, one with ass the crack. ass crack bandit. That is that a really, really good, good one. I might take and it off of the this series, list, though. And then the series finale, season six, episode 13, Emotional Consequences of Broadcast Television. So that is, this is a brief aside, but I want to ask about the finale. I mean, do we prefer the season three finale or the season six finale? Because they're basically two different endings at two different points of time. And I was curious where we landed on that. I prefer season six, but the season three finale is like, it's genuinely unbelievable what the balancing act of ending the show, but not ending yeah. the show. But I like the finality of ending the fucking show. <laughs> I, th I think I think I agree. I, I was really blown away by uh, um, emotional consequences. I really had no idea it was that good and uh, awesome. So we need to we need to slot in. Uh, I what's up? So a a couple other picks here for this list. Yeah, I made another like ones. sub list too. Shit, you guys and your lists. Foosball and nocturnal vig vigilantism. The Nick Kroll episode, yes. the foosball. <laughs> oh, man. One of my personal favorites. That's a like, great one. I think that that episode is... The and anime also it sequence. Has the, well, it, it also it does a lot of what we were talking about before, where it is very high concept, but at the same time, it does have emotional resonance, where it builds a bond in the, care, in the study group that we didn't really have it all, which is Jeff and Shirley yeah. together and That's their nice. uh, connection with each other. No, that I, is do, nice. I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it reaches the top ten. Did, I think for me, digital estate planning has to be in this top ten. 
I agree. That was that was my. That's the, the, the side that's the side scrolling the video um, game episode. Video game. Okay. There's character. Really... There's a lot of character development, and also the specifics of the video game. Like Abed navigating it's... those menus. Those are like well designed menus. Like those, yeah. that's a real it's... game. It's kind of the ending or the the conclusion of Pierce's character too. Uh, that's kind of the yeah. him besides uh, saying not to call someone gay, but like that's kind of a wrap on him. I, I don't count season four. I, I just don't. And it's a great uh, guest star too with Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, so, so which ones we, do we want we to slot out? So we, I was gonna say we have to have at least one paintball one in here. And I would probably put Fistful of Paintballs over Modern Warfare. Okay, you guys want to do that? Well, then we'll do take that. out Modern Warfare. Yeah, and then I I would nominate to take out Season 5, Episode 3, even though it is great, the Ass Crack Bandit. Um, okay. Yeah, I think, that's, I think, that's like yeah. a return to form, but it's not like blowing the doors. I think, yeah, I think Digital Estate Planning is a better episode. I Just a quick case for the Fincher episode. <laughs> I love that they include the cover of Creep the coral cover of creep from the social <laughs> yeah. network teaser in the episode so and just the look of the sh- of the shots are very fincher they're what, grimy dirty i didn't even eerie. i didn't even like know what they were parroting but even like in the beginning i'm like oh yeah this is fincher like no doubt uh, did did you um, is the song in that episode is that creep or is i thought that was like a bruce spring springsteen thing the uh, no that's creep yeah it's just gotcha. a coral version of creep i'm musically illiterate so i don't, I don't know <laughs> um okay so we're we're slotting that one out we're putting in drew's um number one the basic lupine neurology we still need to slot out another one in favor I, of harry's pillows and blankets Ooh. you want to slot out pillows and blankets yeah, guys. i i am hard against that uh, personally okay i think that that is I think that this deserves two documentary style ones at least. I was going to mention the the hospital one with Pierce that's in season two. That one's really where he's good. in the hospital. I think that one is also I, at least a nominee. Pillows and blankets. I think pillows and blankets. If you've ever seen a Ken Burns documentary, sure. then it is genius. Oh, it is absolutely. What, what do you think, Harry? I think that it's very well constructed, uh, but it's not very funny, except for the one moment where Pierce and the uh, the pillow monster and him yelling at the kids. But but it's more like something you can respect rather than really connect with or laugh at. That's what I was um, going to say. It's not joke heavy. Here's this is what, here's I, what I'm going to suggest. Yeah. I want to keep pillows and blankets. I'm willing to lose advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I'd rather get rid of Abed's uncontrollable Christmas. I agree. I agree. That's another one. Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. I think I think I agree. If we're gonna lose one of these, I think I would have to lose that one. (laughs) The claymation. Dungeons and Dragons is incredible. It's also Fat Neil. We didn't even mention him with the best guest characters, but a guy who just had like had nothing to do with the show and there's like fat neil's gonna kill himself if we don't play <laughs> this game of dungeons and dragons it's also a great pierce it's, it's a great pierce it's episode such a good pierce up i think that's the, an episode where the show kind of upgrades where you realize it's kind of swinging for for greater distances and what have you also we should mention this is so a good time i think we uh, ditch let, let's ditch abed's christmas I was going to yeah. say, though, um, real quick, we should mention the second Dungeons & Dragons episode reser- yeah. deserves a shout-out because of David Cross. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah. As um, 
uh, what's his name? I feel like that's the that's the best Jonathan Banks episode too. Well, yeah, him yeah, because he plays his son and like the Elvin song that they sing. I uh, I think right. that's actually a really good episode for uh, Jim Rash. I think uh, the dean owns that uh, yes. episode. <laughs> so good. Joseph Gordon Die Hard. Um, all right, <laughs> this pains me, but. I am willing to lose Abed's uncontrollable. If, if it's any solace, yeah. this will get back to no one. It, it is an amazing, <laughs> amazing John Oliver episode. It is such a fucking good John Oliver episode. Him like reminiscing about getting Paddington books from his mom. I really, I really like him in the show. He's good. No, we didn't even talk about him. I think that he has my favorite ending of any, uh, any uh, like episode and ending of any With episode of the entire series. No, it's the one where he's trying to get more staples at the end of season five, <laughs> and he's like trying to call the help number and everything, and they're like for Marigold, press four, and he presses <laughs> it, and he almost orders like a, a bomb strike on on Greendale. It's so good. I really, really love that. All right. Ending. So I think we have our um, our Hall of Fame I, here. I so I do love contemporary American poultry. Do we need two episodes from season? One? Um, I think I think that I personally think that season one is mid middle. The end tier of season of one is series. is as good as season two and season three. The end of season one, it's it's yes. amping up. So we're well, fine. I think we're good I like here. It. I think that we also <laughs> desperately we... need to end this episode. <laughs> yeah, we're going way, way long, but it's fine. But I, I think it's I think it's worth I think it's 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 worth stating, Hunter, like that the 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 Scorsese um homage in that episode it's beautiful, you know. Oh, I the mean, Goodfellas it is like the riff, best parody of Goodfellas yeah. that I've ever seen. I mean, I I couldn't pick a better episode to slot in. That was that was a good. Real episode. quick before before we wrap up, we didn't pick, we haven't talked about it all, but it was like the runner up in my favorite episodes is Cooperative Calligraphy, the bottle episode. Yeah, is the, one of the, the best pen. bottle episodes of television that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, like I think that that episode is just absolutely perfect for and it's like pretty early on it's episode eight in season two and it just go ahead it is another episode that just shifts your entire opinion on the show and it makes you realize like oh i hate all of these people i don't like any of them like they're all bad people yeah and the fact that they established that so early in its run if we're doing final shout outs i want to shout out season two episode six uh epidemiology which in the middle of a global pandemic the episode where where they uh get infected with like uh past due uh military rations (laughs) and it's like a zombie halloween episode it's a good troy great app Another great one is Aerodynamics of Gender, season two, episode seven, the Pulp Fiction one. Yeah, that a great one. like that's one of the best Abed episodes in the entire series. Yeah, with the my, di- my dinner with Andre bit. Do um, yeah, it's so good. Do we want to do so so good final thoughts on the show, or what are we thinking? Sure. Yeah, I actually i I wanted to read Abed's yeah. monologue from the finale. I, okay. I think the the finale of this episode is is or this show is beautiful. And I love the, the, you know, talking about parentheticals from Harmon and him like channeling his fucking madness through these characters. 
he puts it so well in this Abed monologue at the end. He says, there is skill to it. More importantly, it has to be joyful, effortless, fun. TV defeats its own purpose when it's pushing an agenda or trying to defeat other TV or being proud or ashamed of itself for existing. It's TV. It's comfort. It's a friend you've known so well. And for so long, you just let it be with you. And it needs to be okay for it to have a bad day or phone in a day. And it needs to be okay for it to get on a boat with LeVar Burton and never come back. <laughs> eventually, it all will. I love that. Wait. I just uh, I just made a realization in our listings. Are we not putting the the floor is lava episode of season five in our Hall of Fame? I wouldn't. Yeah, that one's just outside the the top ten. I think. I uh, so in my personal that is in my Hall of Fame. I cried in that episode. I didn't yeah. even like tear up in the finale. Me too. I, I like openly cried during that episode, and Abed's. Just everything about it. I, I can wrap this, tie this into my final thoughts of everything. Is just that I think that we've talked a lot about how meta the show is and everything, but the fact that it can have moments like that where it affects you so viscerally that it's just it's this high concept game where it's just the floor is lava. It's silly. It's stupid. It's a simple idea, but that it can mean so much, especially to the Troy and Abed character, which we haven't even talked really much about Troy at all, which, by the way, fucking Donald Glover is in this show, and gives, you can see him evolve as an actor as the show goes along, same with Allison Brie, that you can just see them, like, becoming the stars that will define the next 10, 20 years yeah. that we will see in film and TV and whatever else they choose to do music for Donald Glover's case. Watch Glow, people. Glow's yeah. great. Yeah, I need to see that. Watch Atlanta. Don't yeah. watch Solo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this show is just like, I think it's one of the highlights of television in the last 20, 30, 40 years. There's nothing really like it. There never will be something like it again. It's, it's this mix of melancholy and astute human emotions and flaws and how people connect themselves with others because of those flaws and the virtues. And it just, it can really, for all of the tricks and the the cleverness and the, you know, the references and the French Stewart and LeVar Burton of it, it's just, it's something that really, really understands people and why we are the way we are. And I, I think kind of digesting that is something that's really good if you uh, put in the effort. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's it, it. I think it has probably changed my life more than any show outside of Nathan for you, <laughs> um, which says more about my own psychology than it does about anything else. And that's what uh, podcasting is all about. It's about really revealing the true sociopathy within you. No, just that line, you know, just uh, this place accepts you for with with your sickness, you know, accepted me and accepted you. That's just something that's, uh, I think that's pretty, pretty powerful. I think everyone could stand to think about that sometimes. Well, we did it, boys. We talked about community and we have inducted it officially in the Wabam Pantheon TV First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. So hopefully we'll do more of these. You know, it's tough to do this with every show because it's this is one that's like very dear near to us we know it so well um but we'll try other ones you know it doesn't have to be a comedy can be some dramas um until then 
Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Harry, for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Maybe we'll do a community movie pitch <laughs> off. We fought a mic. That could be something. Or um, anything else that you want to do. We'll be lucky to have you back with us. Uh, this is been a lot of fun and this has made me pretty happy because uh it's a great show and some great people talking about it and what else can you ask for hell yeah all right well thanks for listening follow us all on twitter letterbox uh email us and leave us a voicemail donation also feel free to drop us a little review uh five stars on your local <laughs> podcast platform if you can Make sure it's five stars <laughs> yeah if you have five meow meow beans please Wait, yeah, did we not? Meow Meow Beans didn't make the list. <laughs> the list is over, that, Hunter. That's an episode so that got an episode. <laughs> it, it literally like made a Black Mirror episode. This episode, the Meow Meow Beans came out before the list is concluded. The list portion. Tweet, tweet at us. I'm just, I'm angry Save at this it for the list retcon already. episode, Hunter. Tweet at us with your thoughts. I'm going to retcon you guys' takes. <laughs> at we bought a mic with your with your thoughts on our hall of fame choices and what you would have done differently uh you can tweet all of us yeah to close it out let I let us know i will actually quote uh kugler in the miyama beans episode and say about this episode the coog approves <laughs> six seasons in a movie <laughs> bye goodbye everybody <laughs> <laughs>